Welcome to Conversations with Toy, a blogcast tackling life one episode at a time. This is the time to air out life's craziest moments. This space is all about speaking about life's hang-ups and ways in which we can leave better than when we started. Topics are all about ways we can find space to be better in life, love, mental space and health. Today's episode is brought to you by DB. DB is a Scandinavian brand that makes backpacks and bags to help people on the move stay ready for anything. From the streets to the peaks, DB's gear is travel tested by some of the world's best athletes, adventurers, and creators. Over the past decade, DB has designed and developed, released and refined the best bags in the market. With DB's patent hookup system, you are able to attach smaller products to your backpack, roller, or tote. I know for me, when I travel, I want to have everything kind of hooked up together so that when I'm going and on the go, everything is together and I feel safe and secure. We are teaming up with DB to exclusively offer our listeners 10% off your next purchase by using the code POD10 or going to the link in our show notes, DB, it's time to move on, time to get going. Happy Friday. I am hoping that you had the most amazing week. We know all weeks are long. For me, they're always long. I joke about that often, but it's true. Weeks are long, days are getting shorter, but I'm so grateful to always be on the side of the living and to always make sure that I am just doing everything I possibly can to just try to push through and persevere through everything that may come my way. Now, what does that mean that I have good days every single day? Absolutely not. It does mean that I strive to do the best I can with what I have been given And whatever I don't and whatever I don't feel like I'm being successful in, I just try to do the best I can to move forward and move ahead. How has it been going in the last few weeks? Well, in the last few weeks, I've had a couple of things happen. I would say I've been completely cleared from my doctor to resume whatever is a normal life. I don't know if we know what normal is these days, but whatever that may look like, I am able to resume that. And for me, that means I can work out again. I can go back to sticking to my sleep schedule. I can go back to making sure that if I want to get in the pool, I can. Um, Surgery was not as bad as I anticipated, but I really did allow myself that calm down and cool down time to really just get my mind together and to make sure that I wasn't just jumping and running into things. Meaning just because I had the surgery, I wasn't going to just go ahead and just start doing any and everything. I was very particular about the events that I um, went to. I was very particular about the time. And you know what? I enjoyed some much needed Netflix time. Now I won't say Netflix and chill because, you know, I'm married and you know, whatever comes of that, but I will say definitely some amazing Netflix time. So I was able to catch up on some shows and be introduced to some new shows that I had never even seen before, because maybe you don't know, I am not a major TV watcher. If there are, if there's a series that I like, I will tune into that. But for the most part, I don't really have the time (laughs) 
I don't make the time, I should say, to just sit down and do a lot of idle watching of television. I'm more into, you know, writing, um, reading, getting out of the house when I can. Um, I have three children, so that means I'm always running after one of them. And so those are the types of things that I'm usually make the time for. However, because I had more downtime than normal, I did indulge very much so in watching a few things. Now, I love food. I'm a vegan, in case you didn't know, and I'm not suggesting that other people should become a vegan because I'm pushing my nutritional values on you. I think people should do whatever is best for them. Um, but I will say, as a foodie myself, I have been watching a lot of foodie shows. So one show that I really got caught up in, and this um, they're just this is not sponsored. This is just giving a shout out to whom a shout out is necessary. So fresh fried and crispy. I swear unto you, that is one of my new favorite shows. If you have never watched it, it's on Netflix. Um, it stars Damon Patterson. He's this um, larger than life uh, African-American black guy. He loves to go all throughout the country, rather the United States, and just find the most fresh, fried and crispy. So everything that he finds, I find that it's some interesting things. For instance, um, fried apple pie. I think one time he was at a restaurant and I can't tell you what city or state he was in, but I could swear he had, oh, it's fried like shepherd's pie stuff that you wouldn't even think of that could be fried. It was, um, me being a vegan, a lot of things don't normally tickle me to be like, Ooh, let me try it. He did actually have a vegan restaurant on there. And I need to find out what that was because that chicken or, whatever you want to call it, freaking, which is like fake chicken. I don't know what word you like to call it, but whatever it is, I want to try that chicken sandwich. But I will tell you this, it's not many things that will make me say, hmm, a lot of the things that he had on that show, them people was cooking, like they was throwing down, they were cooking, it was amazing. So I'm just saying, go ahead and put that onto your Netflix list and go ahead and give it a watch. Um, his personality is absolutely amazing. I love, 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 love watching him as he's trying to food because he has that same joy and excitement that if you really eat something that's really good, you're like, yes, I'm just here for it. And I love that show. So fresh fried and crispy. It's a TV series. It is on Netflix. I absolutely love it. I think it's really, 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 really worth a watch. If you want to see some interesting things that don't even make sense being fried, this would be the one to watch. The personality um, is everything. The, the restaurants and things that he goes to, they have been so super inviting. And so I enjoy it. So give it a watch. Um, I think it's worthy of a good watch. I also have just been catching up on things that maybe I've watched in the past, but just didn't tune in. So that was my time sitting in my bed, eating my snacks. My husband did have to make me go and actually sit down though, because that first 24 hours, I was like, oh, I'm feeling fine. There's no problem. But we all know how that works. Then first 24 hours, your adrenaline can sort of still be going. So I had to go sit myself down. But nonetheless, we got it done. I was able to watch some good TV. I was able to catch up on some of my books. Um, for some of you who don't know, I love, 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 love to read. I do have Audible, which is basically having books read to you. People be looking down on that, but let me tell you something. It's no different than listening to a podcast. The only thing that I will say is that I'm still old school with it, but so I like to listen and hear the pages rip through my hand or not rip through my hand, but go through my fingers. 
I will say this. I do not get an audible book of a book that I don't own. So if I own it, then I can, I treat myself to the audible version because I feel like when I'm out and about, which is very limited now with COVID and everything else, when I had that time to be out and about and I need to, you know, hear something and I'm out, I can do so. But I always reward myself with the audible version after I've actually read the book. So that's just me. You may be saying to yourself, I don't care about having a book in your, in your hand. That's you. That's, that's perfectly fine. But I need to hear the old school papers go through my finger. Outside of that, I am in the process of getting these kids ready for back to school. Back to school is coming. It is coming super soon. And I cannot wait. My kids did not go into a school last year. I am very, very extremely times three nervous for the health and safety of my children and the health and safety of myself with them going back into the classroom. There is no option right now for our kids to be online like they were last year. Um, so I'm hoping that they will go and that they're safe. I think I said this before, like I only have one child that's vaccinated and the other two are not. So it's very interesting to me to see how this will go. I'm just going to do is pray, like pray for God's protection that everything will work out and do everything I can to keep them as vigilant as possible. That's one thing I can do. Like I cannot go into the school. At least I haven't attempted to see if I could to make sure that they're enforcing it. Um, I am going to be a little bit more of a hover parent, at least for those first few months just so I can see how everything goes, but this is what we're doing. So yes, I am the parent who already has the back to school supplies. I am the parent that's already going to be getting, you know, uniforms and stuff together because I don't like to wait to the last minute. I hate those picked over things by the time you wait to like the very, very last end. So yeah, I'm, I'm really, I have a system and it works. And so I plan to utilize that system. Um, so I'll shout out to all the parents that are about to put all that money out for them school supplies my kids go to a private school so yes we have uniforms their shoes that have to be bought um I have an almost a 10 year old son he'll be 10 soon and I have to admit he is growing like a weed he's almost a little bit taller almost taller than me as my daughter I think is actually at the brink of becoming truly taller than me and they are growing and for them to be, for him to be almost 10 and be at the shoe size that he's in right now, all I can say is that y'all need to just put your hands towards wherever you're listening to this on your phone, whatever you listen to, just say a word of prayer for my grocery bill, because that's where it's at right now. These kids are eating us out of house and home and they are literally growing in height from it. So shout out to the parents that are trying to keep them kids fed and trying to get stuff ready for back to school. It's not that we don't know back to school is coming up every year because I actually try to plan for it ahead of time. I always try to find a plan about as soon as school year ends, I have a plan set in place for how I'm going to get everything situated, putting money to a side because we act like we don't know back to school year is coming back every year. We act like we don't know we have to buy book bags. We act like we don't know we have to buy certain things and we do. So for me, I try not to act surprised and try to be proactive. If you listened to last week's episode, you should be ready and proactive because you're putting your money aside for the things that you need. If you know that you have back to school and it's going to cost you money, you're going to set money aside for that. If you know that you're going to need stuff for tuition and you know that it's going to come out, you're setting stuff aside for that. Like you have to be prepared as much as possible for the things that you know that are steady in your life that you're going to need to be prepared for, especially when it comes to money. 
So I just want to say, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, go ahead and make sure you listen to that very much next because you are going to want to have your money all the way together. Um, I remember when the meme came out where the guy was saying where the money resides, where the money resides, where the money resides. Well, if you want to get to where the money resides, <laughs> you have got to take care of your financial um, health and making sure that you know what's coming in, how it's going out. And you want to be prepared for the things that you want. You know, we say we want certain things in life, but we just don't take the five seconds to prepare. So that is what I would like for you to do is to go back and listen to the episode because it was so good and it was hilarious. I'm telling you right now, it's always about people's spirits that I can always pick up on when you talk to people and you really just listen to them and you just hear like the awesomeness of their voice and they're like really just doing great things in this world now listen everybody got something with them right we all got struggles and things that we struggle with but when you meet genuine people it's such a blessing it makes conversations so much you know easier so all I can say is go ahead and listen to it you will be so happy that you did plus get your money together right Today's episode, we are switching a little bit of a a different gear. We are going to talk about hope. We are going to also talk about hardships. We are going to be talking with Amber, who discusses her journey, you know, with being in the foster care system. She also was a foster care mother. Um, And she just talks about how she's had to heal. Like, you know, I don't understand. And I don't, maybe a lot of people don't know what it's like to be in a foster care system or work with children that are in foster care or have ever been in a situation where your house or your home life was extremely abusive or mentally abusing or emotionally abusing and even physically abusing, you have no idea what it's like to deal with the different gamuts of life that you have to then, you know, heal from, you know, trying to become better than what your situation has already predicted that you'll be, you know, we have some things that the, the, the people who know better than us, you know, the, 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 the people who have the degrees that study these things and they say that, you know, certain behaviors predict how you'll turn out. But in the long run, any and every last one of us have the ability to change the things that are being predictive of certain behaviors. Now, yes, there are certain things that you should always, you know, fix and you should always try to find a way to get to do better. And because they can show up in ways that the that the people who know more than us. Um, and by saying that, I say the those who have those degrees that say that certain things mean certain things. I am just a firm believer that any and every last one of us have the ability to change. We have the ability to take our lives and take it to the take it to where we want it to be. I think that we have um, we are you know not necessarily required, but we are blessed to be able to make headways in our lives that people probably would have predicted us to be the worst. For instance, I know there's a lot of people who probably was like, that girl ain't gonna never be nothing. She ain't gonna get her life together. She's never gonna be a good person. And you know what? As much as I wanna be like, but how could you? I probably had a lot of behavior and not even probably. I had a lot of behaviors that would indicate that that was the case. My mouth was smart. I had a smart mouth. I knew everything. I was willing to fight physically, emotionally, and mentally for it. Um, you couldn't tell me nothing. I was headstrong. I knew what I wanted to do and couldn't nobody convince me of anything otherwise. But when you grow up and you've been through some things and you know better, you change your ways, you start looking at life differently, you have children or you have something that's in your life that literally draws on you to become um, a better human. Everything about that will change you. Um, I take motherhood very seriously and I've said this plenty of time. I've even wrote a whole blog on it. I know for a fact that my oldest daughter changed my entire life. She was sent here to be a gift to the world 
but she was also sent here to be a shakeup to me. She was here to be a gift to me as well. Um, I know that God selected her to be my, to be my daughter. And I know he hand selected me to be her mother. And there are days when I question that because, you know, she's almost in that, that teenager stage. So she's getting to that point where we're starting to, to delve into that. And I question that. But when I look back and I really take a step forward out of my own frustrations, I know that she was meant to be. She was meant for me to, to, to be her mother. She was meant for me to try to guide her. She was meant for me to love her. And through that love that got sent from literally from above to give to me, she came at the time where I needed her the most. I know that when she was a baby, you know, all parents, you know, the babies need you, but I needed my daughter. And I will never not give her that credit. I know for a fact that God used her as a tool to open my eyes to save my entire life. Now, also being a parent, that also triggered me as well because I, again, had my own presets of things that I've experienced, things that I went through, things that I don't talk always talk about as often that triggered me when I had her. But overall, she saved me, right? And I don't have a shame of saying that. I know that God used her as that too. So I'm grateful for her. But today we are going to talk about how do you get past the dark places in your life? What is this hope? How do you bring hope and then transform that into action? How do you take a bad situation and then let it turn itself into something good? That is the conversation that we're going to have today. Amber is here. She is going to literally enlighten you on her brand new book. And in that, we are just going to take this entire journey of learning and listening and leaning in and making sure that we understand that there's nothing that we can ever go through that is not going to be charged to help us to get out of it. I, I believe that there's nothing that ever happens by accident. And so there's no accident by which she was brought here on our show. And for us to talk about healing and talk about those difficult situations, when you have somebody who may have abused you, may have done all kind of manner of evil against you. And then of course, everything in his mama is going to tell you that you will never become anything, but then you turn that thing around and you really become something. It's an amazing, beautiful thing, but people don't understand that other side. They only see that finished product, right? As you're healing, as you're going through all this trauma, you would hope that one day that that trauma, I am a firm believer that my trauma, the things that I've experienced were here to help me to be better, but also to help someone else. That's why I don't have any problems talking about the things that I failed in because who's going to be able to tell it other than me? Like, you know parts of the story. You don't know the road that I had to walk, right? You don't know the things that I've had to go through. You don't know the things that went down. But even with all of those negative things that happened, it was for a positive moment. Who knew that I was going to have a blog that I talk very, very vividly about the things that I talk about, whether it be going through um, – uh, if I went through a mis, well, when I went through a miscarriage or if I talk about, uh, all these different things that I've gone through, like those are things that are going to help someone else. So we have Amber, she's going to be here on our show today. She's going to talk about it all. I want you to grab her brand new book because I do believe that, um, we need to have certain tools here in our lives. And with that, she is going to break it all the way down about the things that she has had to go through, the things that she has learned. I'm hoping that you go ahead and listen to her. Her book is called finding hope. The 12 Keys to Healing, Hardship, Hurt, and Sorrow. 
So even though you may not have ever stepped your foot into the uh, foster care system, if you've ever been through anything, this book is for you. If you're going through grief and you're struggling, this book is for you. If you've had stuff that happened and you are feeling like the lowest of lowest of lows of which you are not, but you feel that way, right? It's okay to feel that way just as long as you don't get stuck there. We're going to talk about that as well. How do you get unstuck? What is the process of getting unstuck? What happens when you feel like you're unstuck? Because if you don't feel like you have hope, it doesn't matter how many degrees you have, right? If you don't feel like you have hope, it doesn't matter how much money you have. Although I would like to have some more coins. I'm putting that in the atmosphere. I'm going to grab me some coins. I'm going to get some of those coins. But if you, if your insides is all jumbled up and messed up, it don't matter what your outside looks like, right? You can appear to be the most beautiful, the most affluent, have it all together. But when you're struggling for real, for real, and you don't see that hope, is not going to help you. So this is that episode that's going to bring you from feeling like you're hopeless, grabbing hope of this book, and then hearing what is being said. And we hope that is going to encourage you to become and to walk in the true self that you are amazing, that you are everything and anything that you choose to be, you can do it. So let's get right into that episode. All right. And thank you so much to my, um, my uh, community. I always call it community. You, I am not here to dictate anyone's lives. I always say that, but we are a community of mostly like-minded people who have the same thought processes. And when I say the same, I'm not saying we operate one sound, one band, one sound. What I mean is that we're coming together. It's usually because there's something that in you that either wants to get better at something you want to do better in your life. And so we are here with conversation with toy community and I've been grateful because every, 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 every last guest that we have had has been bringing something to the table that has been extremely life-changing, and today is no different. We have Amber Jewell. She is here. She is a social worker, board president of the National Successful Survivor Foundation. She is a previous foster child, a foster adoptive parent, a national speaker, and the author of Finding Hope, The 12 Keys to Healing Hardship, Hurt, and Sorrow, and that's coming out Actually, by the time you get this, it's already out. So with that being said, I'm going to allow her to speak on her own behalf because she's already wonderful. She can speak on her own. And then we'll get right into this conversation and go from there. Take it away, Amber. Well, awesome. I'm I'm so excited to be here and hopefully be able to share some joy and hope. And so you might hear the pun a lot because I am a pun person, but I think it's because we're wonderful people and we need to have that joy to find hope in our lives because it is it is challenging. And so I guess on introduction, what I like to say is for many, many years, I never would have told you anything that you just read. I would tell you anything about me that I possibly could about how I'm a parent of two young kids who's one's adopted. I'll tell you that they're, I'm a foster parent. I'll tell you that I have a great husband or from a small town, Kansas, that some people don't know where it is on the map. I'll tell you that I drive a motorcycle. And some people are like, whoa, you work at a school with kids. Yeah, I, I would tell you anything I possibly could, except for that I was in foster care. That now times now, have been tough. Why is that, that we, I don't know, we like to put a lampshade over some of our very, very tough times. When I first started to do, I'm a blogger as well, but when I first started this journey, it was based upon sharing very intimate 
parts of myself and being vulnerable enough to share that. But why do you believe that we just all struggle with this, this vulnerability? Because I used to think I was a unicorn and sort of speak where only these crazy things were happening to me and no one else. Yeah. And I think it's because we, it's actually a strength, you know, we are equipped with, with some amazing gifts and strengths from our hardships and particularly in foster care, but also those people who struggle with anxiety or depression, you know, we learn to protect ourselves and put the, the shields up and say, Oh, I'm going to protect myself and not be vulnerable because of our experiences we've had. And we have to go through a process. We have to have people of influence. And I talk about this in my book to get to where we're able to be vulnerable and be okay with that because it's a contentness in us. It's hope in who we are as a person. What is your, your opinion on the first steps that we can get to that? Because, you know, you may, I know, I feel like there's like this call on my life to share my story, to be vulnerable. I feel like the things that I've gone through are something that was always going to, it was always going to be something that was going to be used for other people to help to inspire, inspire them. So what happens, what's the first few steps or a step that people can take if they feel like I want to be able to share this hope, because remember you said it's our strength and it is, how do we go through that first step so that we can break that mode of being open and vulnerable? Yeah, that's what this book is all about is actually the top 12 in my life. But I, in the book, I talk about actually five as a priority. And I say, this is the foundation for us to be able to build a strong foundation for ourselves to process through that whole healing that we want. Um, And so the first thing I actually say, and we say this in a lot of aspects of life is that life is tough. And so that's my whole first chapter is acknowledging that it is. And so, like you said, you know, sometimes we feel like we're the only ones. And as a foster kid, I didn't want to identify as a foster kid because I felt, and there is a stigma, there's an assumption, and I didn't want that perceived about me, but realizing that life is tough for everybody in a lot of different ways. And it's not a fault. It's just an acceptance is a really powerful thing. And in the book, I talk about how I actually learned that at the age of 12, when I left my dad's house for the final time in and out of foster care, that I realized that we have these expectations because I wanted to go live at my neighbor's, right? And I'm going to go live there forever and it's going to be beautiful. And I had this image of how that was going to be. And then I had this epiphany that, whoa, I'm going to go into foster care. And even though we have great ideas, great plans, and maybe good intentions, it's still tough. So that realization and acceptance. Yeah, that is, that's actually one of my, one of, was one of my biggest challenges, even as an adult to um, this expectations that we put on ourselves, right? This thought process is what we think something is going to be. I had to deal with that within becoming a parent. For me, becoming a parent was very triggering for me. Um, And I know a lot of people who experience this too, but we don't talk about that because God forbid we say that something is wrong or we don't have the answer or that we're struggling through something because that means that you either don't want to do it or you don't have the strength to do it, which is so far from the, from the truth. But I, I triggered, I had triggers because of being a parent because of the things that I've experienced. And I was just like, you know, you go through these different things and you're just like, I'm going to, it's going to look this way, but 
you learn real quick after you've fallen down a thousand and one times that your expectations um, and reality are maybe not, they may not always mirror. So sometimes even after we take that step and that leap to do things that we want to do, or, or we go past the things that we may not want to do, that expectation is really a, such a crutch. Absolutely. And, and it's inevitable. And I say that in the book that it is inevitable. We can't protect it. We can't um, blame one single thing. It's tough for everybody in some way. And so it's actually very relatable, but it's interesting how society, especially with social media, since, uh, you know, the early 2000s started just the pressure of this perceived ideal lives and good lives. And so I think to get into the frame of healing and hope, we have to come to the acceptance of it is tough. And I think that's really a framework we have to bring to the table. And one of the things I do in my book that is unique is at the end of each chapter, I actually do a reflection. So whoever is reading this, as you're reading this, I, I'm hoping you might have a journal or a phone or something beside you and, you. and I ask you to think of something in your life that was tough. And then think of how you managed it. And then take a step into now in mindfulness or your future to help acknowledging that life is tough. And I do that in each chapter. Like, how does this apply to me? How can I build strength from this? And I love that you do that because I am the type of person that when I do read a book, especially anything that has to do with mindfulness, that's one of the very first practices that I learned to do is to always flow with the book and try to go along with it to put myself where I need to get like whatever it is that I'm searching or whatever it is I need from, you know, from reading. That's what I like to do. How was the process of writing this book? Because you're putting your hard hittest moments to, in order to even write this, you have to come in with all of the scars. You have to come in with all of the, the triggers. You have to come in with your trauma and you're helping someone else. But how was that process for you? Did you find it to be something that was, had moments of joy? Was it, was it hard? Did you have moments where it was like push and stops? How did that happen for you? I certainly think it's emotional because as you said earlier, it's being vulnerable. What's different for me is I've actually been a writer for years. So I, you know, writing our stories, it is a type of healing in that. And I've been speaking for years and oh my gosh, I, I feel bad for those who listened to me you know, five years ago, 10 years ago to now, because we heal over time. And so what I used to write was, I think the process of healing for me and being able to be vulnerable and face those. And sometimes I would cry and sometimes I couldn't go back and read it. And um, sometimes I would have joy. And this that I wrote is actually nothing of what I originally planned, but it's, it's a reflection of the healing that I went through so that others can find hope that there is a healing <laughs> that if you're in any of these stages. So the second chapter is um, I've said life is tough. Now the second chapter is tough is tolerable. Mm, I like that. So we can't sit in the framework that life is tough because we're not going to have movement. Uh, the movement comes when we also acknowledge that it's tough, but that is tolerable. And I talk about how I learned that by being in the foster care system, mm. you know, broken homes lead to foster care, but sometimes there's broken homes in foster care. And that's where mm. I was. But I yes. learned, hey, I'd rather be here with my foster sisters in this very broken home with mental illness and not healthy boundaries than back where I was. So I'm going to figure out how to manage this, how to plan for this. 
I'm so glad you said that because um, I used to actually work with um, young people who were either brought in from children and youth or the probation um, department. And we had them in what's called, I don't, I don't remember what the name, uh, transition houses. And it was a battle because you had to deal with a lot of emotional back and forth or just whatever they were coming in in the door with. But I used to tell people all the time that people always say that, and I'm not against um, the foster care system at all, but people don't realize that there are people who are living their regular lives while then bringing other people into it. And like you said about being broken, we had some staff that have, you know, and us too, like just had these broken, marred people that are trying to provide as safe a space as they know how right. to other people who are already struggling with safe spaces that are already struggling with um soundness of mind and they're and they're everybody's bringing their own levels of stuff in and so people have this assumption that you're leaving one home that's not okay and you're going into this glorious part of this this world that's going to be like everything that you could have ever wanted and that's not always the case that's not that's not always the case no and everybody carries their own burdens and in, in a lot of the chapters I talk about that um I at the end I have a chapter that talks about being aware of our own bias, our, our assumptions that we bring to the table, that things should be a certain way uh, or not a certain way. And I talk about when I moved back to my hometown um, for the last, when I was 15 and how I presumed that everybody was going to hate me or have this stigma about me. And sometimes we are our own worst enemies. And we also have to give that once we get to that point of forgiveness or starting on that, giving some grace to other people, because that's how we're going to have our support systems is right. realizing that we're all sitting here in tough times. So how do we, how do we, if, and I don't know, and how do we, how do we deal with or move past like the whole giving grace? Cause we, we don't give ourselves enough grace. So therefore we can't really give other people grace because we're already struggling with our own issues. How do we move with that type of grace? And when you know, for sure, for sure, for sure that you've been hurt to the most at a degree of whomever it may be, because we put, as humans, we put levels of pain and hurt and frustrations on whatever it is that we deem to be problematic. Yeah, so the question of how you get to healing is a very loaded one because everybody's unique, but right. uh, that is why I say it's in pursuit of hope. And what hope is, is that belief that it's going to get better. And that's really the framework you have to carry um, to be able to get to that. And so, in, I have forgiveness as the last chapter in the book for a very good mm -hmm. reason as right. the very last chapter, because we have to learn to be patient and go through the process sometimes five, six times. I mean, I could read through one of my chapters on a bad day and be like, oh man, I needed that today. I I've, I'm, it's been a tough day or I need to remind myself that it's tolerable. But and the third chapter is about finding your people. And it's specific to your people, not people, but what is your people? So remembering and it defined what those people are, how it's not always the people we think they are. They, <laughs> they may not be good people. They might be, have the same blood, but not be our people. And these are the people that'll support you, encourage you, but also hold you accountable. Those people who pity you or say, don't say that life is tough is probably also not your people because they're not going to let you be the best versions of yourselves. And I'm glad you mentioned that because we have this 
mentality. And I know I did. I'll speak for me. So if you're listening and you're saying, well, you're speaking for yourself. Yes, I am speaking for myself because I know I can talk about me better than anybody can. So for me, I struggled with this whole having people, my people uh, look like me. And I don't mean that by any other tone other than the fact of I had a strict blindsided mentality of how certain people were going to do certain things. We're going to look and help me in certain ways. And then of course you get that gut check that they're not because you've set it up for yourself for that person to be something that they were never destined to be. And I think that too is a strong, somebody listening may be struggling with that because then their mindset so-and-so should be who they're people, but they're struggling with that thought of why are they not? Yeah. And, and there's, in my opinion, you know, a lot of grief in, in child welfare, if you're a foster kid or any, um, you know, I'm, I was a, I am a foster alumni, but I've also been a foster parent and I've also been a social worker in child welfare. So I see the, the different sides and, um, give being okay with not being okay. And I talk about that of, you know, it is a challenge when you want And I say in the book, this statement, actually, that we all want to be wanted. We all want to be wanted. And so um, being able to create a life that you love, that's one of the chapters that I have in there of figuring out what skills you have and what skills maybe you don't have. Being okay with strengths and being okay with weaknesses. And I talk about that in a chapter of just that self-awareness can help you connect with people who have the same things, who see that in you. And I'll tell you real quick with the story in the third one of find your people. Um, (laughs) What that was is I came back to my hometown and I joined a family when I was 15 years old. Okay. I met this family in church. It was very challenging because I had older siblings that didn't particularly enjoy me. I had quite a reputation when I was younger in in the very abusive home. I was deprived of food. Um, I took a lot of things. I couldn't use the restroom, things like that. And so I felt shameful every day that I was back in that community. I felt like people would assume that. And what my person did, so my new, my new mom, and that our language we use as foster kids and foster alumni, we're like, how do I explain mom? That's a whole nother story. Yeah. But I came home one day and she said to me, um, she, she will say she didn't say this, but she did. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Oh, uh, I mean, I was hurt. I was like, no, that you're supposed to be nurturing and loving and, and how come people should sympathize for what we've been through as foster kids, you know? And she continued, of course, with more supportive statements. But what she was saying to me is you are greater than that, that your people will be there endlessly, no matter what others say, no matter if you fall on your face, no matter if nobody else in the world likes you, we are your people. That was a commitment statement by holding me accountable. Right. So in other words, she was telling you that I see that you're upset. I see that pain. But at that moment, you wanted what you wanted, which you thought was comfort. And yes. she was trying to provide you a way to be strong and also encourage you and let you know that whatever you needed was really, really inside of you. You already had more than enough. Yes. She was saying you are greater than you give yourself credit for. And aren't we all? And those who are listening, I, you are, is, as a listener, that's what this book is about. You are greater than you give yourself credit for. 
And we need more. We need to also hear more of that. I think we have so much going on in the world, to be honest with you, Um, so much in our personal lives that we're all trying to juggle. And I think the biggest thing is when people have lost their hope, when they've lost their way, it doesn't matter what skill sets they have, because you can have every skill, you can have every um, backing, every endorsement, you can have everything at your fingertips. But the second you lose hope. And you think that whatever you have going on is not good enough, that you're not good enough. It's a very troubling mindset to be in. And that's why I'm always encouraging when people listen to our to this podcast is that it doesn't matter. The worst of you is not the end of you. And so we don't hear that enough because we're always told that we need to do more, more, more. And people are struggling where they are. They are not having, they're not able to, to progress they're, they're just not. Yeah. And, you know, before the COVID pandemic occurred, the World Health Organization said that 70% of America um, struggled with anxiety. Now, I have to suspect that there's way more than that. And so while this, of course, is talking about foster care and me representing millions of foster kids over the years and being a voice for them of hope. It's also about those of us who have anxiety or try to help people like hurting kids and saying, look, we can do this. You are stronger than you give yourself credit for. You can accept that it's tough, but you can also make it tolerable. And here's how you find your people, you get knowledge that's another foundation is we have to open ourselves to knowledge. We can't think we know it all. And we also can't avoid getting knowledge if we want change to happen. There's knowledge out there. And um, I particularly talk about mental illness in that. And a lot of times people experience things with people who have mental illness or struggle with coping skills or addictions and being able to gain knowledge about that can equip us with the skills of how to manage it. Right. Because we don't go into a situation with the skill sets to know how to do that. And I do believe, and like you said, I think pre-pandemic, people were not willing to accept that they were experiencing true anxiety. Um, I talk about this often, you know, when people have what's called um, a type A personality, people don't understand that that also is a form, in my opinion, of someone who may be dealing with anxiety because you're always trying to be on. You're always trying to have this perfectionist type of mindset. You're trying to do all of the things, but in that you are actually just demonstrating a part of not being able to handle that anxiety or putting uh, checks and balances and boundaries that are so necessary in each and every last one of our lives. We don't, we don't put enough boundaries. Absolutely. And I, I agree with you completely. Um, I talk about forgiving ourselves too, and being able to be role models for those in our lives and giving that opportunity to the last of the first five, which I say are the foundation. The next one is to then learn from your past, which is a tricky one because you hear a lot of people say, I can't, I can't delve into my past. I want to avoid my past. I'm not going to talk about my past. And I'm just going to say, I get that. If, if it's a listener saying that I get that response at the same time, our past are what create us. And that's right. where our experiences come from. And so learning what you do and you don't want from your past. And a big thing I talk about is how that is a great way for us to use our strength and power to change the trajectory of the future. So 
me acknowledging that maybe my parents had been abused and giving them grace for that, but also not being okay with what they did in my life means that I'm, I'm being that intergenerational change. We have power in that. How does that feel? Like, I know for a lot of people, the struggle of breaking these, these generational curses, um, (laughs) it's powerful to say that you are to that you're doing that, but it's, it can be hurtful. How do, how do you, it's, it's very hurtful. Hurtful as in, in the process of, of going through it and changing. Right. Oh yeah. Oh, and everything is hurtful. It's so tough. And I think just acknowledging that it's tough is being aware of your own emotions and accepting them and realizing that my emotions are okay. And I have power of my behaviors. And that's a beautiful thing that I think a lot of these parents that do struggle with abuse or neglect don't have or didn't equip themselves with. They, uh, it's a great thing also to go to therapy, get support maybe from your people. Cause some people are, are they, they put that stigma on, which I talk about and being aware of our bias too, of, of mental health or any of those type of treatments. But there's a lot of different ways to work on it that can help you become better in the process. It is not an easy process. Never do I want the healing process or addressing mental illness or our struggles of just life to be perceived as easy um, because life is tough, but gosh, aren't we tough? Aren't we created every single one of us to be tough and that hope that knows we are, and we can get through this, even though we're bawling and we're angry and we're throwing and we're screaming and whatever language they want to say, okay, because that's not the end of the road. What are the things that you have done that outside of just outside of the thing that you've been through, what are the things that you feel have brought you the most greatest joy? What are those things? Oh, there are so many. Um, and it's so in line with my book because that's me speaking to my story of how I did that and, and the frustrations. Um, I think the realization of and that it was it was challenging and that it's okay that I'm not happy with things, but not just sitting there, like even limiting myself of like five minutes to sit in my puddle of pity and then saying, now I gotta do something with it having people that can help me and in down days, you know, when, and being authentic with the fact that I have down days, but also allowing myself to have joy in the good days and really focusing on that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, it's, it's a challenge. Forgiveness was a big challenge. And I don't think I couldn't write this book before I, I had got to that point. I wrote a lot, but I didn't write this book until I was able to get to that point. And I did that in a therapy with the mental health. Therapy is one of the biggest tools that I have in my arsenal of life changing tools. It's like therapy. If it wasn't for therapy, there's a lot of things that I've been through. There's a lot of things that I've gone through that I do go through that I would not have the strength, the ability, the wherewithal, the, any of those words to get through the challenges of every single day. I, I would not. Um, as much people have the stigma about, you know, being in therapy, cause you know, when before pandemic, you know, a lot of people have literally changed their mindset now that they have been at home, 
have been secluded, could not get to their normal everyday things. They couldn't get to family. They couldn't, you know, outsource to different things. And they realized they had to sit within themselves. It's like people are realizing the realness of needing a therapist that are going to help challenge you. Because people think this idea of therapy is, and I say this all the time. So if you've been, this is not your first episode, you are fully aware of what I'm about to say. (laughs) When you go to therapy, everybody has this TV monologue where they think that you're going to lay on this couch you tell somebody something this therapist gives you the answer and then you bop out of the uh, therapy room i have said this and i'm going to say this again if you have ever stepped your foot into some therapy for sure there are days when you may leave happy and then there are days where i have sat in a car for an hour and just couldn't even talk or I've been so exhausted from sharing all this load of things that i had never shared with anyone else and i am crying or I'm tired and I'm going to go home and go to sleep or now I'm angry. Like there's a gamut of emotions that come out of therapy, but it also gives you the ability. It's almost like the playbook that when you get to that same feeling again, you'll know what to do or how to interact or how to, how to dig into it without letting it overtake you. Cause the pain that you were talking about, I've experienced myself in so many different ways, but being able to recognize it, but not allow it to keep me there. Like keep me at that moment is, is Mm -hmm. huge. Yeah. And you know, for me, I say it in, in hope, but in a lot of ways, it's remembering that time happens. Time, time is a beautiful thing. And, you know, one of the other avenues I reach out to a lot is, um, in faith-based organizations. And as a Christian, I go, I talk a little bit in there, but also in churches, you know, what was interesting for me is I went to church growing up uh, when I could in the foster care system and stuff by myself for no reason of faith at all. No, I went because you know what they did is they said hi to me every day, no matter what I looked like, no matter what the community said to me, um, my stigma, whatever they liked me at least I perceived it as liked and they enjoyed being around me. And they had like amazing mints where my grandma was. She would give me a mint every day. So Listen, I get food. Those church mints taste like steak. They yes. are the best things ever. First of all, I don't know why every church mother, every church, whoever always had the best mints. You're talking to a PK. I was in church my whole life. So <laughs> I know all about those church mints. It's something special. You can't even get like, if I went to the store right now, I feel like I could even get them. It's like, it's like a church mother store or something that they have in there for church purposes. And they are the best thing ever. But that's also comfort too, because then you remember those good, those good times too. But yeah. Yeah. And those little moments are so impactful. You know, a lot of people say, and research may say that, you know, you need one person as an influence. And I, you know, I certainly agree with that. You know, for me, maybe God was that one person because I felt so alone that I had felt like I had no people, but my perspective in the world is more of, we just need people in little moments. Cause I remember a whole lot of people in a whole lot of little moments that did something. They didn't have to stay there. We don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay there to make change and to right. impact another person's life. And that's so powerful too, um, to remember the, those people and what you can get from them. 
what are what is your what is your self-care arsenal? I am a big proponent of self-care. I know sometimes we don't do well in self-care as much as we should because self-care should be daily because self-care, in my opinion, helps with mental wellness because people really have this stigma on mental health. You say mental health and check out. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with me. Listen, I don't care if you interchange mental health and mental wellness having yourself be good and feel good on the inside, not just what you put on the outside matters. So what are your go-to for self-care? I think of two particular things when you think of self-care. First of all, I think of, uh, it's a training I talk about for professionals and I call it self-stewardship because Mm -hmm. we learn stewardshipness too in ministry, in our professions and social work and working with families, but we don't do it as self-stewardship. And then the second one is how important it is to role model self-care. If we're telling somebody we work with, somebody we love, a friend, a client, somebody at church, our kids to have self-care or take a break or breathe. So especially those from hard places, they have a higher probability of getting what we're saying if we role model it through behaviors than words. And so if we sit there and say, hey, take a break and we are stressed and overworked, they're not probably gonna retain what we're saying. So we have to role model it. And so in your question of what to do with it, um, I actually talk about that in the book of making sure that we accept our strengths and weaknesses, explore what they are and come to a contentness with them, be okay with that and become very familiar with the word No, because most of us, not all of us, but a lot of us from uh, health professions or from hard places, we can tend to be people pleasers or we want to prove or we want to show that we can't. And then we have these unrealistic expectations for ourselves or we're overworked. And so I talk about making sure that you create the life you love so that you can say no to things that aren't meant for you. I mean, if I was supposed to, if somebody asked me to sing, I would want to say yes, but dear Lord, everybody wants me to say no. I should say no, because I'm not good at it. I wouldn't enjoy it. I don't want to work on it. And then we can do what we love. So being comfortable saying no, um, being able to learn of our strengths and our weaknesses, being authentic with who we are, being true. And the other one I talk about is hold to integrity. What you say is what you do. And that's what I was talking about. Those may not be the top things that you're like, oh, that relates to self-care, but it really is. You know, if we tell somebody, take a deep breath, make sure you're breathing. By the way, you're talking 90 miles now. Did you get a breath? If we do that before we tell somebody to do that, we're learning our own self-care by doing those things, being authentic and having integrity. I love that. So I'm also going to make sure that one, we put the, the link for your book because we want everyone to take the time out to read that book. I'm actually going to read it as well. And I, I may even, and I'm not going to may, but I'm going to do a review of it as well, because I, I feel that. like it's extremely important for us to put when we find something that's good, when we find something that is going to help someone else, we want to spread that as much as we possibly can. Um, the only way people learn or they get what they need to get is if we continuously put things out into the atmosphere. So I am definitely going to make sure that I put a blog out for that so that we have people reading it and getting, you know, getting it. They may not be like, oh, well, what is this? I want them to be 
to have everything. So where are the ways that you want people to be able to get in contact with you if that's what you're open to? How do they find you? Um, how do they get a hold of you if they want to, you know, have you speak somewhere if they want to, whatever the case may be, how do they find you? Um, a lot of different ways. That's a great thing. I'm excited for it. So first and foremost is my website and it is Amber Jewel and it's J-E-W-E-L-L. Some people try to put one L dot um, org. And that has a lot of information about me, a lot about my trainings, um, things that I do. It also has an email. Uh, people can email me at Amber at successful survivors.org. Um, I also have another email on there and I do respond to those. I also have a Facebook page that I use and I try, I'm trying to get a little more out in the social media aspects. Um, so finding me on there, uh, Amber Jewel motivational speaker, I believe is uh, what I have on Facebook. Cause I've been just blessed to go and send the message of hope to people in churches and communities and foster parents and foster care and non I mean, anybody that I can touch with that is what I want to do. Um, it's a beautiful, exciting thing. We will definitely link all of your information at the, at our show notes. So if you're sitting there listening, because you were listening to this while you were working out and you're like, Hey, I didn't catch all of that. Do not worry. Hit the show notes. We will have everything listed so that you can click on it. We won't even have you. You just be able to click on it and you'll be able to get a hold of her right away. Because we again, we want you to make sure that you have uh, Amber's information and that you get the link for the book because we want you to go ahead and get it because it is out as uh, by the time you're listening to this, it is out. So I want you to make sure that you go ahead and grab a hold of that. Um, and, and a kind of a cool thing I'll mention is every 10 books that are sold uh, to anybody, I plan to, I would really like to donate uh, one to a foster care organization or foster parents or something of that sort. So for every 10, um, I'm gonna be sending out one to an organization that works with kids, adults, families, parents, people from hard places. Nice. And I love giving back. So um, I want to be very clear. Um, her book's actually coming out August 31st. So this actually will come out before her book. So her book is out August 31st. So you will be able to get a hold of it. Um, I'm going to release all that information again in the show notes, because I want you to be able to get it, grab it, be ready for it when it hits so that you're prepared. And again, when you have books like Finding Hope and you have these um, books where they sit and they tell you, and, and, and you told us in our book, the, the steps, I want you to get your book, uh, get your pen and paper. Um, like she said, you can use your phone, but I think a pen and paper is a little bit better. Um, invest in like a journal, get a journal from like a dollar, dollar store, family, you know, wherever you get them from. And actually take that time to sit down. This may be the only time where people who are not eligible or not necessarily eligible, who don't have the mindset to want to go to therapy. This could be uh, not necessarily in place. This could be another resource for you. So look at it as a resource. Is there anything else you'd like to tell our wonderful, wonderful listeners? Oh, just uh, thanks for listening in and that I, uh, with the pun for the humor, but genuinely hope that, you know, you're able to find the hope that you're well deserving of each and every listener who are amazing, amazing people, just like you who gets to touch them. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, thank you for writing this book. There are going to be so many people that are hopefully going to be healed that are going to start the journey because healing is a journey. 
It's not yeah. something that you just wake up and you're just all of a sudden healed because healing is not linear. It's up and down. It has its different waves um, that come along with it. So this is a tool that everyone can actually tap in. This is not just for people who have been in foster care. This is for anyone. If you have ever struggled in life, ever had anything that has ever happened, you may not have shared that with anybody. You don't have to share it. You can actually just sit down, get the tools and start applying that. I am always a firm, firm believer of having tools, having the necessary tools to become more successful. And although we want to be successful in other areas, we have to be successful and good stewards, like you said, of our own lives. And this is a part of taking that accountability and getting to that place. Yes, absolutely. I'm excited. So what did you think? Amber is absolutely amazing. Sharing her story Listen, it's vulnerable to be in a situation where you feel like everything that's wrong with you was because of something that you have done. Even though you are fully aware that it's other people's choices and what happened to you, but not staying there, not allowing that to take over, not allowing that to be the finite part of your life, realizing that there's so much more to you than the hurt and the pain that you have gone through, but acknowledging it, right? We can't just continue to go through things that we just don't acknowledge it. Like we feel like if we don't speak on it, it's going to be fine. There's no problems. But the reality of it is, is that we all have a responsibility to ourselves. I felt that when she said about that, that self um, stewardship, that taking care of yourself, that being aware of yourself to being acknowledging the things and where you are, like you have to be able to do that in order to heal and healing, like I've said, is not linear. You're going to go up and down in your healing process. You are going to struggle with forgiveness. I have said how much I've struggled with forgiveness, forgiving people who, in my mind, didn't quote unquote deserve it. I am not worthy and deserving of forgiveness. But at some point, I had to learn to forgive myself, even when I didn't get forgiveness from other people. I had to forgive myself and move on when people couldn't even grant me the same peace that I had granted them. Sometimes in forgiveness, it's just giving people that peace to move on with their souls. I've had people question me about why I choose not to hang around certain people. Forgiveness does not mean reconciliation all the time. It means wishing the best for someone else and learning to drop those mental and emotional charges and then moving forward with your life. I, I don't always have to feel entangled with other people just because I chose to forgive. But forgiving myself is the greatest gift that I can actually give myself and realizing that we are all in need of grace. I've, we've this, this concept of grace keeps coming up because we're not doing enough to extend the grace to ourselves, which means then we can't also extend that to someone else. You cannot be grace, graceful to someone and give someone grace or extend that grace to them if you're not doing it to yourself. Because it's hard. People, when you see people, sometimes we see people out of an extension of our own lives. So we cannot give them something that we don't feel that they're worthy of and or give them something that we're not giving our that we're not giving ourselves. So I hope something in the, today's episode really did touch you. I hope that whatever you're going through, if you're listening to the sound of my voice, you're working out, you're struggling, your weight is going up and down, your mindset's all over the place. One minute you're on, you know, you feel like you're clear to go about whatever it is that you're doing in your journey. And then the second you don't feel that way. 
You may be losing hope because the things that people keep telling you to do, you're doing it, but you're not seeing a reward for it. You're not seeing anything happen from it. It's not popping. It's not, everything is not aligning the way that it should. I will tell you one thing is to not give up to continue with your journey, to continue doing the work, to continue to show up for yourself. That showing up for yourself is so major. We don't do enough to show up. We want everyone else to show up while we sit at home and reap the benefits. We want everybody else to do the work, but we don't want to do the work ourselves. But showing up and being an active participant in your own healing is amazing. It's a powerful thing. If you're not an active participator in your own healing, that means doing the things that are necessary. For me, that was therapy, making sure I have the right people in my circle, making sure, like Amber said, who are your people? Stop looking for your people to come in the, the same vessels by which you believe is supposed to. It might not. For me, it didn't. It didn't. So I got bummed out about that. But at some point, you got to stop staying bummed out and get up and refocus, reshift. Y'all was all up in arms when Beyonce was talking about how you got to keep going. Don't tell nobody what you're going to do. Get up and do it. I was just listening to that the other day. And we heard Beyonce and it sounded beautiful, right? Because she's not saying anything that's not understandable, right? But how many of us are actually doing that? You got to be about it. How many of us are doing that? Sometimes you got to be about it for your own personal um, growth. You can't expect everybody to come and put that life uh, thing out and save you. Like they're not going to be able to save you all the time. But there's hope in the fact that no matter if you fall 20 million times, that there is that redemptive power of getting up and being graceful. And it's okay to acknowledge when you don't feel that way. I do not want to give anybody this false positivity that says that there's nothing wrong and everything's okay and everything will work out. No, there's days when you wake up and you say, Lord, I don't know if you're going to do this because if I, I that one TikTok that's going around where everybody's like, Lord, if you don't do it, I'm going to jail. And everybody's just like sharing it. It's hilarious. It's funny. But reality of it is you could be in the jail of your mind. You could be in the jail of all kinds of different things. I want you to look at life and acknowledge the hard times. Simply knowing that it's there and not trying to fix it right off the bat. Sometimes stewing in something for just a small amount of time is fine, but you cannot stay stuck in something. I have days when I wake up and things are not okay and I just be like, okay, so I'm not having a bad, I'm not, ha I'm having a bad day. I'm having this bad moment, but I saw something online that said even bad days have a 24 hour period. So if you're having a bad day, let's not extend it to the day two. You don't got to extend that to day three. 24 hours and then we switch it up. And in 24 hours, I have to find something else to focus on because it's important for my own mental wellness. It's important for my growth to continue. So I hope that you have an amazing weekend. I don't know what I'm getting into this weekend. I'm thinking it's going to be pretty much a relaxed weekend for me because uh, we had just came back from vacation. So if you are watching and following me on the blog, all those different things, you know, we know that we have just come back from vacation. We were having a great time. And in all that, too, we need to go ahead and sit down somewhere <laughs> or maybe it's just us because we've been doing a lot of uh, uh, running around just this week. But we enjoyed it. Sometimes you just need that off moment. So now that we're back and we're focused and now it's time to get ready for that back to school, that's what we're focusing on. Finishing up those last minute book reports, 
relaxing, and you know what? Enjoying each other's company. It is a beautiful thing to sometimes, although my kids do what they do, just to look at my family and just be grateful that I have one. Sometimes we forget there's people who want the very things that we already have, and then we just be like, oh, well, it's, I don't want this no more. I'm tired. You can be tired, but get up and start all over again, right? It's one of the first lessons you learn to becoming a parent. Your kids are going to cry all night and get on your final nerve, but you better get a shower or even look towards the water, get out of that water, and get back to parenting. Taking a break means just that, taking a break. It doesn't mean you go on vacation and lunch out and now you don't have any responsibilities. So I want you to enjoy your weekend. We are getting down to the last few, uh, uh, what is it called, dog days of summer. I want you to find some way to enjoy that. This weekend, make sure that you indulge in something that is helpful to you, that you find that you like. If it's hanging out with a friend, find a good friend that you really enjoy that will um, is part of one of your people and really enjoy that. I plan to, uh, this weekend, again, lay low, probably catch up on some laundry and really just take it in. Maybe watch my show on Netflix and just really have, enjoy that downtime because you know, weekends only about a snap and a finger. And before you know it, it's gone. So have an amazing weekend. I'm hoping that your Friday is amazing because we love Fridays. Um, Fridays are everything. It's like the reward of the week. Like as soon as you get through it, you're like, yes, I got this. We can, we can do this. And today is professional speakers day. So we want to shout out Amber. She is an actual professional speaker. Um, if you have a professional speaker that you really, really love and you enjoy, let them know today is professional speakers day day a day that we should be able to shout them out because we need people who are not afraid to take a hold of that mic and speak with all their might to empower and help somebody else we need more people like that if you're looking for something that's a little bit more down i would say or a little bit more fun i should say um it's also weirdly enough national fresh breath day I feel like that should be an everyday thing, but these last few weeks on internet has let me know that apparently this debate on when you should be clean, shower, all that great stuff, I just want us to get on to do better. Everybody needs to have fresh breath every day. So yes, today is National Fresh Breath Day. So I hope you indulge in that. Like I hope at this point you have tackled and jumped into that mindset of making sure that you have fresh breath. Other than that, have an amazing weekend and we will see you back next week. And remember, if this is your first time, and you enjoyed it I'm so happy to have you here make sure that you share this podcast episode with someone else that you think will can really benefit from learning that there's hope and to get this new book but I also want you to go on uh, subscribe to the show and make sure that you share uh, give a good review do all those things we so so look forward to those things and we'll see you again next week Thank you as always for joining me. And I know that even in the deepest or joyful conversations, that there's something we can learn and apply. Until next time, I hope that you are doing better. If not, we will be back to talk some more and handle it. Peace to you and yours. Stay grounded.